Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast. It is a personal transformation podcast, focusing on improving your life, business, and your relationships. Hosted by Eldin Hassa, a mindset coach, relationship coach, author of a self-help book titled, Are We All Fucked?, which is a step-by-step guide to becoming a best version of yourself. Available on Amazon Worldwide, and also on his website, eldinhasser.com. Eldin is also a spiritual teacher, public speaker, workshop and seminar facilitator, and a successful property investor and developer, with passion for transforming lives globally for over 15 years. We have over 2 million downloads of our podcast. As a thank you, get a free copy of Eldin's book on his website, eldinhasser.com. Also, we are hosting a free Peak Mindset Masterclass. Get your free ticket on his website, formulaeq.com, or find the link in this podcast. Hurry, seats are limited. Share this podcast with your friends and family and help our mission to empower humanity. Please remind yourself every day how amazingly awesome you already are. Thank you and welcome your amazing host, Eldin Hassa. Welcome everyone to the Human Experience Podcast. On this episode, we have Marcy Myra from United States, town called Bellevue. It's a city in Washington state. Marcy Myra has spent the majority of her career as a management consultant, working with organizations to transform their businesses. She's currently a partner at SIA Partners with a focus on employee and client engagement culture, change management and coaching. Marcy is a committed leader with a passion for inspiring people to innovate and make impactful changes. She is a certified coach and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council and integrates her coaching practices into all aspects of her life. To learn more about Marcy, follow her on LinkedIn or watch her compassionate, inspiring videos on YouTube. So could you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Absolutely. Thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me to be a guest. I'm very excited to be here. I've been following you for a long time. So this is like one of those little idle things you get to be on somebody's show. Obviously, Marcy Mara. Um, I am born and raised in Washington State in the U.S. So I'm a West Coaster. By day, I am a management consultant. And I've been doing that work for about 30 years And if you're not familiar with what a management coach or management consultant does, is that I work with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, and I help them solve their large business problems. So when you think about a company that's going to do a large organization redesign, or they want to implement something new, or they're trying out new technology, I'll help them figure out how to solve those problems and how to help move the people to whatever that new paradigm looks like. So a lot of that is focused around human beings and how do we think and what motivates us and what makes us feel good. So that's my day job. And then my night job is a coach. And sometimes I'll say success coach, sometimes I'll say transformational coach, because it's really about, again, helping people move and shift to think in new ways and really trying to help people find joy and happiness in their life. And sometimes helping them understand that that isn't the job that they thought would give them happiness or the paycheck that they thought would give them happiness, that it's something inside that was always there that they just need to bring to the surface. 
So I personally find a lot of joy in doing both of that work. And it bleeds out into my life in all kinds of really fun and exciting ways. And from following you for a while as well and watching your videos and reading your posts, I understand that you also have the view that it's not just the mindset and the thinking, it's also very important about how we feel and also when we connect to others, how we make them feel if we are in the leadership positions. Absolutely. And it's not just leadership positions, it's every position. It's every, every position. single human interaction and connection. And you and I met because of being open to connecting with anyone. And I yes. truly believe that every person that we connect with enriches our lives. We may not ever see it at the time. It's like that drop of water and ripples and ripples down the line. Something magical can happen from that connection. So it's about approaching every relationship with an open heart and an open mind to just explore what that looks like. And truly being authentic to who you are and then how do you treat other people like those connections are about yes. listening and learning and again that enriching our, our lives from what you learn from others absolutely and uh, so you have been working in consultancy for 30 years and uh, were you always self-employed or were you working for big corporations yeah, I've actually always worked for fairly large corporations, and I do during the day right now. I actually work for a global consulting firm, Sea okay. Partners, which is headquartered in Paris, which is a little interesting since oh, I interesting. sit in the U.S. Yeah, um, but I have been fortunate that I've worked for large companies that give you also a lot of support. Um, I, I had a period of time where I did my own consulting, and I quickly sold that to a larger firm. It's really okay. hard to be able to serve all of your clients um, as an independent doing that type of work. It, it takes a village to really serve large clients. I, I see, I see. And in your coaching business that you do evenings, how is that looking at the moment if you can compare to prior to the COVID-19 crisis? It's a, definitely an interesting time to be a coach. Uh, there are a lot of people that have a lot of things to deal with right now. And I think that we're not even at the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it is just going to be so big. Uh, people are just starting to recognize the fear that they have around the situation. I think when things first happened, people that were young were like, oh, I'm fine. Like nothing will happen to me. And then they started to realize, oh, but I could get my parents or my grandparents sick. And so it starts to change that world where people are looking at like, I'm okay. But now it's like, oh, but if I think about others, maybe they're not okay. And how do I impact that? So I've had so many interesting conversations where people just start to wake up and realize it's not about me. It's about other people. It's about we. Yeah. And how do we yeah. show up as a we? And how do we help each other? And how do we give, even if we don't feel like we have anything to give, but it might just be that giving of listening to a friend or yes. calling somebody that they haven't talked to for a really long time, or even that text message that said, I haven't heard from you. Are you okay? That people yes. know that they care. So as a coach, I think you and I will be really busy for years to come. I agree. I, prior to us starting, you and I had a, an interesting conversation just about 
how it will be coming more and more. Like, how do we flip a switch and say, hey, it's safe to re-enter the world? I don't know that I will believe that it is safe to re-enter the world. So how will others? And how do we all help each other through that? And understanding that we have a completely new world ahead of us and a new paradigm shift about how we work, how we have relationships, how we socialize. We may not be able to hug people for a really long time, and that feels very strange. That is true, especially if your cultural uh, way to greet one another is uh, two or three kisses on the cheek and a hug. Even your colleagues, let alone your family members, uh, I think is going to be very, very challenging for, for many people. But what you said earlier about the uncertainty, and I think this is what worries people the most. And from what I have seen, there are two things that people worry the most, is finally it's brought to their attention that they are not immortal. So we're going to die. We're all going to die. So they sort of had to spend some time to think about and see how they feel about death. And the second thing is the uncertainty about their financial situation, not just now, but for the future, because obviously they've seen that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are losing jobs every single day. So they said, I have to wait in line. Perhaps... I have to change the career. I have to do something completely different that I'm not even qualified for, but I have to pay the rent, pay the mortgage. I have to buy groceries, pay the bills. So it's definitely, I think, two most important factors that people are focusing on. But at the same time, I feel that the old way of living as a humanity wasn't working for a very long time, for probably 30, 40 years. And what is needed or what was needed and which is happening right now, it's more unity, solidarity, compassion, kindness, understanding, equality. And the truth is we as a human beings, we are in this together. There's no doubt about it. So there are no barriers about cultural language or any other. So basically one race, human race in this together. And um, it's very interesting to see what the future is going to look like. No one knows, but I do hope that is going to, the world is going to feel smaller, that we are all brothers and sisters united and in collaboration and cooperation to, that's the sort of, I, I believe, the new way of doing business. I loved it that you emphasized hope because I think it's so much about hope and how do we choose to respond? We can look at that we need to find new ways to work. Uh, we may not have an income stream that we thought was guaranteed, but did we also need all of that stuff that we thought we did as consumers? That's true. You know what? We really don't. And do you actually need to work 14 or 16 hours a day? Probably not. Probably not. And what happens when we slow down and we take those quiet moments to just be grateful for what we have and to reflect on our families and who we are and to connect with people? The richness of that is certainly a lot, um, brings a lot more joy that lasts versus a big fancy house or a really expensive car or Absolutely. so many of those other things that we thought that's how we find happiness and 
people are finding happiness in all kinds of interesting ways now. We just have to stop and, ha- like I said, have that moment of gratitude. Like when you think, I'm so grateful, no matter what your situation, I'm grateful that I'm alive today. I'm grateful that the earth is healing itself. Like, let's look at all of the return to fish and wildlife and Absolutely. air that we can breathe. Like, now can we please like not go back? Like when people say, I want to go... I want everything to go back to normal. Like, do we? Like, was normal good? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I just, there's that comfort in what we know. But what we know, to your point, was not good. Like, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be changed. And this is our opportunity. We had our eyes opened. Like, you could read all the studies in the, you know, for the last 20 years about if we stopped doing certain things that wildlife would return. And I know I'm very interested in conservation and restoring things, but I thought, oh, it will be 20 years. Like, let's stop the pollution. And in 20 years, we'll have fish and wildlife and we won't have smog in California. Well, it took about 20 days. Exactly. In some places. So, if we if we needed more proof, like I think we have it right now. Like we it's no it. longer theory. Like we can see this right now. So what else does that tell us about our lives that we can change? Absolutely. And I can see that you put a strong emphasis on gratitude and um, reading your posts and watching your videos and now hearing uh, you talk about gratitude. I can see that this is a big part in your life. Was this always like that since you can remember within your family? And No, no and, I, and I chuckle because it's actually something that I continue to work on every day. I see. Like it's very easy to have something not go exactly the way that you want it. And um, I have struggled with my own idea that I have to be perfect and I have to show up a certain way. And I'll have to like just stop and breathe and be like, just be grateful for what you have. And then everything feels better. I see. But we live in this world where like there's still this idea about, um, like I said, how do you show up? What do you look like? What do you own? How do you behave? And, it's, and then you get into this, is it ever enough? Are you ever enough? Yes. When you stop and say, I am enough and I'm grateful for what I have and I've been given these gifts. And even if the only gift I have today is my health, like that's a huge gift. Have a wonderful family. Um, I have an opportunity to talk to new people and make new friends every day. Like there's so many little things that we overlook and we choose to focus on not enough instead of my heart yes. is full and I have all these beautiful things. Yeah, but it and didn't, does not come naturally to me. I honestly was not raised that way. I see. I talk to my mother every single night and every night I try to like give some infusion of like positivity yes. and then she'll be like, don't try to work your coaching stuff on me. <laughs> And it's really funny because it makes me realize like that I grew up in a house where it was the strive for perfection and super good grades at school. And what do you always like, that's great. You did that. What's next? Instead of that moment of this is awesome. Let's just sit in this for a minute. Yes. Let's just be grateful for this. Yes. No, I, I, I hear that. And I think this is culturally has been like that. I mean, we are bombarded um, or have been bombarded for years through the media magazines and, you know, you need to look the certain way, you have to wear the certain things, buy certain branded goods, buy makeup, creams and lotions and potions. And if you don't, 
you are not worthy, you don't belong, and sort of, you know, so although many past gurus and teachers and philosophers have been writing about it, that there is no way to happiness, happiness is the way, as in it's an inside-out job, but it's not easy living in these cultures where you are bombarded by, no, you have to have these things, this will make you happy, that will make you happy. So I see that um, gratitude practice is very important. And actually, I practice gratitude, two types of daily rituals. And I recommend to all my clients and my friends, one is uh, writing the journal, gratitude journal every morning as soon as I finish my meditation. And second thing is, it's a family thing. It's called gratitude jar, where we, we cut small strips of paper and we write, I am grateful for something, maybe few things on that particular day. And we put it into the jar. And then every few months we sit together and we read and sort of count our blessings. Oh, I love that. I think I'm going to have to take that idea. That is really beautiful. Yeah. So I do one thing for myself and then we have a joint for myself and my wife. And I don't know what she writes on that particular day, but I find out a few months later. That has to be fun too. Yeah. It's a lot of of fun. Yeah. And we usually sort of do it because we don't have a big enough jar because we write loads. And so every sort of uh, five, six months, the jar would be full and we would sit down and and it's sort of like with a nice glass of wine, we're having dinner and we're reading all these blessings. I think that's really great. So earlier, before we started recording, I understand that you have had some interesting conversations with people, your clients and also friends and people you know, about how they are feeling at present with the current challenging situation so what advice did you give them or you be able to share with our audience in terms of how to deal with their mindset with their emotions with their anxiety with worry what rituals and habits they can practice every day that you find would be useful yeah mostly i ask them questions but i'll 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 frame this so i've talked to people at the c level so c-suite of some very big companies all the way down to somebody who you know was a service worker who's completely out of work now and has no income and so my spectrum is really large but i've treated all of the conversations basically the same So as people will come forward with their concern about, so at the top level, like it's really inconvenient. I'm at home and my kids are home and my spouse is trying to work here too. And we're all on the conference calls and I'll say, is that bad? When was the last time you spent that much time with your kids? And then you, you see somebody look at you and be like, oh, you're right. I should be grateful for that. And it's like, are you having more family time? It's like, we haven't, we eat dinner together every night and we haven't done that for the last five years. Wow. And so it's, it's asking questions and then I listen, like, what are the answers? Because then sometimes there's that next question, but then the full spectrum, like somebody who is completely out of work and they honestly don't know how they're going to make their rent and saying, well, how do you feel today about your own situation compared to others? And then I find people that really feel like they have very little say, well, I'm really happy that I'm healthy, or I'm really grateful that my parents are okay. Uh, I feel like I want to help other people. And so that practice too of giving of yourself to others really helps center people. And then having conversations around fear, 
and people saying, well, I'm, I'm really afraid. And it's like, fear is a big thing right now, but let's talk about how real the fear is for you. Are you staying in your home? Yes. Um, are you washing your hands? Yes. Are you distancing when you go out to the grocery store? Yes. So what are you now afraid of? And then it comes to, well, I'm afraid of what the world looks like. And so then you start to talk about all the beautiful things we just did. Yes. And you end up with people feeling pretty good at the end of those conversations. And then I ask people, try to have the same conversation with somebody else that you know is struggling today. Yes. And then pay, hearing pay that, it forward. Yeah. And then hearing from them that that really helped me to be the one guiding somebody else through the conversation because it grounded me in my reality that I don't have anything to be afraid of at this moment and that I should enjoy the hidden blessings that I got out of this moment, that I was actually a little irritated with my spouse and my kids were running around and now I'm just stopping and I'm enjoying that. And I've seen people on video, like I can see like your notes on your wall and then people show up with kids' arts, art behind them, where the first yeah. week or so of working from home, their environment was very sterile and they wanted to show up just like they were in the office. And people are now showing up in a much more authentic way, which is so lovely. And that's how we really connect. Absolutely. If you are curious about this one here, can you see it from you, what it says? Yes, I am enough so, and I so, love that. So there is a advice that I give. I've learned about this many years ago and uh, I teach this to all the clients. Now, most people to a degree, the degree varies of how they feel about whether they are enough or not on that mm -hmm. particular day. So, and this isn't something that is related to their profession to their income stream, to the family or anything. This is something that goes back to from very, very young age and is deeply ingrained from perhaps a parent didn't turn up to their soccer game or it was late. And this, was, this happened when they were five, six years old. Now that child within them still believes that I am not enough because if he or she loves me or loved me, they would have turned up. So what I say to people, put on every mirror around your home, little note saying, I am enough, not you are, I am. And let just your deep self, your inner self absorb that. I have it all around my house, on the fridge, with magnets, on every mirror, everywhere. And it does help. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do affirmations and visualizations and many other techniques, but this alone helps tremendously. And scientific fact is that many uh, superstars like uh, actors and musicians who have taken their life or they have consumed vast amount of alcohol and drugs which led them to die, they had also therapists who eventually came out and said that their main reason for their death was the belief that they are not enough. So they might have been loved by millions chanting their names in the stadiums, like Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, uh, Robbie Williams, the actor. I mean, all of these people, they have mm -hmm. been admired, idolized, but that wasn't enough because their internal belief was, I'm not good enough. I am not enough. 100% agree with you. I've also seen studies about looking at yourself in the mirror and saying it out loud. 
Absolutely. And it can be very uncomfortable to like have those moments where you're just looking at yourself and being honest with yourself and then saying, I am enough and believing that. But to your point, it goes back to all those things that happened to us in childhood. And it, that ties into the work that I do around authenticity and how somehow we are taught not to be authentic because we think that it makes us more. So when our parents tell you like, oh, you know, you need to go fix your hair or you don't want to wear that outfit or be careful what you say, all of a sudden we're hearing that we aren't good enough the way that we are. Yes. So we need to be some other way. And so that ties into that, that I'm not enough. And I have to try to be something else to be accepted that creates all these other traumas in our lives. And our Absolutely. parents don't intentionally do it to no, us. They, they don't they, know they any better. They, well, they do it out of their own type of love. And they think that they're protecting us from the world, which Absolutely. it's not really what happens. But, you know, I don't know if you're a parent. Uh, I helped raise a couple of kids and like, I know we did all that stuff and it's like, yeah. oh, like if you could just take it back, but. Well, I do have a son and uh, he's an adult already. He's 21. Actually, he's going to be 21 in May. So a, mo a month from now, but going back to parents and, ch and children. And I do understand that you have a view that the children are so innocent and full of self-love, self-belief, self-esteem, self-confidence from when they are born. If you just sit and observe them, you're going to be like, oh my God, this is incredible. But then in your view, what happens between then and them becoming a 25-year-old? What happens? It's somewhere around the time, like somewhere around age seven when our personalities form. Yeah, yeah. And our social styles form. And we start to figure out like, what is our social norm? And then of course you want to figure out how do you fit in? And some of that is just plain old peer pressure and how we're raised and how comfortable we are with ourselves and what affirmations we're given. And I yeah. think you see that um, different through all of the generations depending on if you're a millennial or a Gen Z or a baby boomer or where you grew up, whatever the parenting style was at the time, yeah, you'll see overly confident, underconfident, all kinds of interesting things, but it's those formative years. And as parents, we're all trying to do the best that we can, but we're doing that with our own personal lenses. And we're also thinking about how did I grow up and how did I feel instead of even listening to our kids like to your point like watching the beauty yes. of the kids and and what they naturally want to do and we think oh i'm going to stop them from doing that because their life will be easier if they don't we don't know that yes that's correct <laughs> we don't know that and a lot of experts they they have confirmed now through a lot of scientific experiments that uh, as you said by age seven from birth to age seven, apparently the, our brains are in a permanent download, uh, theta brainwaves, where it's almost like a, a software download installation period. So, mm -hmm. and apparently what we are and who we become as adults in later life has a lot to do with which programs have been installed, which they run unconsciously on autopilot under our conscious awareness. But the good news is, as, as a coach, I guess you have this training, uh, there is ways that we can go into the operating system, remove unwanted programming and put some new ones. It takes some time. It's not like uh, 
you know, you can do it in a day. There are some techniques which you can help in one session, but for sort of uh, prolonged benefits, you have to practice certain things every single day, as, as I'm sure you, you're aware as well. Yeah, so it's all about making those things your practices, right? Like we can't change overnight. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like you mentioned, you know, meditating, it's meditating, it's mindfulness, it's gratitude, it's whatever those rituals are yeah. that start to turn the corner, that those become our new personal norms. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most people um, have been focusing only on the mindset, but I believe, and also from my studies and my research, that it has more to do with our emotions and feelings and not as much with the mindset because you can repeat positive affirmations and have and say, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm great, I'm amazing, I'm successful. But then if, you're, if you have a contradicting emotions and feelings, basically you're just wasting your time. So you have to work on your emotional muscle more so than the mindset. Absolutely. I mean, it's really, it's about our hearts, right? It's, Absolutely. It's, do we have an open heart even to ourselves? One of the tricks that I've learned to help people start to open up when they come in and they're very much like, just, you know, teach me what I need to learn and I'll feel better. And that's how I'll find Yeah. Give me, like, give me no, a no, pill. Give yeah, me a like, pill no, or no, something. No, no, no. Um, I take people for walks. Like I will start to have a conversation because you get people out of there, like just sit here and give me what I need and then I'll go on my way. And it's like, you have a walk, your, your memory muscle works better when you're actually physically moving. Yes. So you start to teach people these habits in a way that they, they're not even aware that they're learning them and having those types of things. And so you get people not only like their heart, their soul healthy, you get them a little bit of physical exercise too, which is all part of that magical balance. That's amazing. You get them out of their comfort zone, you go for walks and you really connect to their heart and soul and you get them a, a little bit fitter as well. So now that you, because of this situation, I guess a lot of people don't feel comfortable going outdoors. What are the ways that you conduct your training and your coaching, your mentoring? Yeah, I've actually done a lot of that virtually. So get people on their phone on video and maybe it's just out on their balcony and we might walk in circles together oh, okay. apart, but together. So still get people outside if you get can. Get them moving. Yeah. And I've had even a couple of those where somebody's just pacing around in their living room, but it's still like, get them moving, get up out of your chair, get moving. Um, like I said, if you can, like go outside. I've had virtual walks with people where I'll turn my camera on and I'll flip the camera around so they can see where what I'm looking at as I'm walking. I can see what they're looking at. So you have a shared experience nice. remotely, which is kind of fun. That's really good. And I understand why you do it also because uh, emotion is energy in motion. So by them just sitting there, obviously being worried and anxious, by getting them to move, they release a lot of that uh, sort of physical tension and physical emotion that they are experiencing rather than just learning like listening to a lecture. They might fall yeah. asleep. <laughs> you also get people to naturally deep breathe if you get them moving. 
Absolutely. So we could, we could sit here and do a breathing exercise, which works for some people. Yes. Other people will look at me like, you are like way out there. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But if you get people walking and they're walking at a good clip and they're talking, they are consuming big amounts of breath. <laughs> Without realizing they had a good workout as well. So right. they have you as a, as a success coach, transformational coach, and a personal trainer, all in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think, I think our, our bodies and our minds are so connected that absolutely. the two, it just makes sense to do that. There is an institute, if I'm not mistaken, in America, it's uh, um, Heart Mind Coherence Institute. They've been studying this, the connection between our heart and our brains um for i think 20 odd years and uh, data coming out of that is incredible but i do understand that also your research and your beliefs are very much in line with with that that heart and soul it's so important and the way you connect to others the way you connect to people that you meet as colleagues as friends your clients any part any human being that you interact with when you focus and work on yourself and you open your heart and soul to unlimited possibilities, you actually emanate this sort of energy. And it's very easy to connect and communicate with anyone that you meet. It is. And it enriches our experiences. Like think Ab about all of the opportunities that are missed if you're just closed off to them. Absolutely. It's, it's the, the magic of the other humans in our world, right? It's incredible. I learn so many things from everyone that I meet. It's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for you being on uh, our podcast. And, uh, and I'm sure that there's going to be many more collaborations for, for many years to come. I'm very mindful about your next appointment. So what, um, what I would like to say in closing, if people would like to read more about you, find out more about what you are doing, follow your journey. Perhaps uh, they would like to uh, work with you as a transformational coach and a mentor. Where can people find you? Well, thank you. Uh, the easiest thing is LinkedIn under Marcy Mara, but also I have a website that's still being developed, uh, which is marcymara.com. And that has links to a bunch of things on it. And I too am in the process of putting together a book Maybe it will come out in 2020. Okay. Um, but those are both great ways to get in touch with me. And that's access to my email and all that's, the avenues. That's amazing. And I, I must say that a few videos that you have uploaded to your YouTube channel, they are amazing. Some of them are just you talking about various things, about uh, authenticity and connecting to your heart but there is one which is like a TED Talk presentation. I highly recommend to anybody who would like to learn more about you to watch that video. And I think it's incredible and how you shared your journey in your business career. And I think you were very vulnerable in that. Uh, you were sort of sharing from the heart uh, your experiences about certain setbacks and how you used to think and feel about yourself and how you managed to overcome them. I thought that was incredible. So I highly recommend uh, to our listeners and our viewers to go and check that video out. Marcy, it was absolute pleasure to have you on my show. And um, I will uh, follow up with the email and we'll speak very soon. Thank you okay. so much. This was such a delight. All the best wishes. Yeah. You Take too. care, Marcy. Bye. Okay.